Hi everyone, it's Mike. If you've been on Instagram for any amount of time, you've undoubtedly seen contests and fundraisers appear in your feed. Well, I'm here to present you with a unique opportunity to help change a young man's life. His name is Noah, and he's an awesome kid. His parents are trying to raise money to pay for therapy and adaptive equipment for their son. You see, Noah has cerebral palsy. He has hydrocephalus and is legally blind. Jeff and Chris have t-shirts with a character rendering of Noah in his hot rod wheelchair. Designed by none other than Adam Nickel, designer of the Born Loser logos, Dice Magazine cover, and most recently, his work on the Born Free 5 posters. If you're interested, PayPal your size, address, with a suggested donation of $20 to Jeff and Chris at MSN.com. That's J-E-F-F-A-N-D-C-R-Y-S at MSN.com or go to ChopperProfits.com and click on the link. Represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. Just what is it that you want to do? You want to be free to ride. You want to be free to ride on the jeans without being hassled by the man. Welcome to Chopper Profits. I'm your host, Mike, and uh, tonight I have someone on the show who I am pleased to introduce you to. Him and his brother uh, basically were the reason why I got involved in Chopper culture. Uh, they were very influential um, to me in that regard. Uh, the first time I met them was at the grand opening of their shop in uh, Signal Hill. I'd like you to welcome to the show, Nate Scott. Howdy. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. I'm glad that you're that you're on here. I know we've tried to hook up a few times, and just the uh, the wiles of life keep us busy. So I'm stoked that we got to get together and talk. Yeah, definitely. I think we've been trying to hook up now for like three or four weeks, and uh, <laughs> it's just been absolute insanity in my life. And I know that you know. I always think of everyone else's situation who has kids, and I can only imagine how much crazier life can get with kids. Dogs are enough for me, but you know. Yeah, it's it's a fun crazy though. It's like you go to bed and it all resets. The next morning it starts <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like drinking. You you know you party the night before, and then you wake up the next morning and you got a little bit of a memory of it, but it's basically it resets. Yeah, exactly. It's just what my friends tell me later on in the day that keeps stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> well. um Let's let's jump into first of all. Um, I, I did introduce a little bit of um, of your past, but uh, let's talk about how you got into doing what you do. And and by doing what you do, I know you do a million other things, but you definitely are a fabricator and you definitely are a bike builder. So how did you even get into doing that? Well, I guess you know, like everything starts young, but. I can remember, I mean, obviously my, my brother and before that, my dad were obviously like a very big influence in me in life. And from like a baby, my dad was a truck driver, so you could just imagine, you know, like the type of persona that that brings into a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I can just remember after that, that was super young. He was He stopped truck driving when I was like four or five. And then after that, I can remember just getting toys and, like, destroying them, just, like, immediately, just, like, destroying them to see how they worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, when you're young, you destroy it to see how it works, and then afterward, you're like, ah, oh, I fucked that up. <laughs> what was I thinking? What was I, what was I thinking, you know? Like, yeah. this is no good anymore. And uh, and uh, that just that just kept with me. And, and then, like, I started getting older and older until I was a... You know, and then when I was 14, I got my first car two years earlier than I could. If I had my first job, saved up my first $2,000 and bought myself my first car, all through, like, the influence of my, my brother, who mm-hmm. was in the car at the time. And uh, it was a Plymouth Laser, which is, like, the same thing as a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made them turbo, and... Um, 
the first car I had ran like I was 14 and then I turned 15 and got my permit and the first car I got ran like high 12 quarter second times wow. so it was a fucking <laughs> it was a fast car you know yeah. like I can remember I can remember going to get my permit and my mom being like all right i'll take you out in your car you know (laughs) and uh and her just being like slow the fuck down you're giving me whiplash (laughs) you know that's awesome (laughs) and uh you know that was that was the beginnings of what got me into it and then then through having cars i didn't come from a family that was like if you want it here it is it was like if you want it you know you better fucking want it because we're not giving it to you. Yeah. You know, we, you know, my, my parents would help me out in the sense that they would co-sign loans if I needed them, Mm -hmm. but they definitely were not handing me anything. Right. And, uh, what ended up happening is I wanted to keep souping up my car, but I was definitely not going to take it to somebody else. Right. First thing I got like some bullshit job at like a gas station, and uh, they they weren't teaching me anything, and they were just having me sweep the shop, and I, I'm definitely not one to sit in the slow lane. Right. So, uh, so I told the owner that I was just over it one day, and I was like 15 or 16 or something like that at the time, and I was just like distraught and like these old people aren't treating me with respect, you know, and it was just like. <laughs> So I left and and I, and I got a job at a Wawa and and that's like a Seven Eleven for the East Coast mm-hmm. and uh, that wasn't working out because it was just some other dead end job mm-hmm. and and after that I through Evan my brother he linked me up with some friends that were like hey you know like if you want to come in after school or whatever we you know I know you're interested in being a mechanic here's a job and it was it was uh in pennsylvania which is where i grew up mm-hmm. and um they really like took me seriously like there's no doubt that i i did my oil changes for years you know <laughs> right you paid your but, dues but exactly but uh like you know by the time i was still going halfway through high school and halfway to the to the shop every day to work you know by the time i had graduated high school i was doing transmission jobs and hmm. you know pulling motors and doing more heavy work and kind of the ace tech at the shop was like this is great i'll do oil changes because i trained you well enough to do this you know if i ever had a problem he would come over and his name's chris mayer he works at mayor automotive in northeast pennsylvania hmm. um I, I can pretty much owe you know 90 percent of what i know about being an mechanically influenced person to him that's awesome most people don't get ever have or get the opportunity to have a mentor like that yeah absolutely and and you know he is he's one of those people that when you're around you just feel like everything's all right (laughs) (laughs) i know that feeling (laughs) like there's something to be said for somebody that can fix anything you know yeah and I kind of just got to brush shoulders with somebody like that because I'm totally not that person, you know. Like, I try my best to be, but there's definitely no way that I can hold a match to the type of mechanic that he is. And then he ended up leaving the shop, and uh, after that, I got a job at a Ford dealership. It was a whole different experience. It was like, Nate, do you not see that these brake pads are half-worn? And I was like, yeah, that means there's half to go. They're still fine. (laughs) Well, you should sell them to the customer, you know? And I was like, fuck that. That's bullshit, you know? Like, these are fine. These people are hard-working, paying people. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, three months or four months into that, I'd had it. And I was just, like, dismal in my experience. And I was, like, a young, aggravated kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, where's my life going? What's going on? I don't know what's happening. And uh, Evan had been, like, working in the fabrication department at a portionality shop, one of the biggest portionality shops in northeast Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was still growing a lot. And he was like, you know, he had just fallen into the manager position, and he gave me a really good opportunity in life to go over there and start working you know, side by side with him and some really good, I really top notch welder. And uh, I started, I fell into the fabrication department there with him. And I worked there for like, I don't even know, like a year and a half, not even that long. Mm-hmm. 
But in the meantime, we were working on nothing but like 911s, and we got to work on a Carrera GT and Audis and Porsches and Volkswagens. Some pretty high-end stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it was pretty crazy to put like an 18-year-old behind the driver's seat of like a 500-horsepower Porsche 911 GT or something, you know. <laughs> twin t- it was it was great. Like, I had a blast doing it, you know. Yeah. But um, looking back on it now, that was like definitely the defining moments of like what I'm doing now. That's for sure. I learned mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing now then. So, and now I'm, now I'm here. So you so then um your experience in Pennsylvania was pretty much you were you were mentored, uh you were brought in, started working side by side with your brother Evan. Um at what point did you think about coming out to California? Because you're obviously in California now, you're up in the Bay Area. Uh, I met you, you were down in Signal Hill. Uh what brought you out this way? Uh my friends like I stopped skateboarding like a lot like when I was like fourteen, but I had skated my whole life when I was younger. Until I got in the cars, and then it was like, uh, man, this is just, this is what's driving me. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, my friends were still skating, and they moved to Long Beach because in California, you can, if you're a resident in California, you can pretty much go to school for free, which in Pennsylvania is like unheard of. Mm-hmm. And coming from a lot of families that, just like my my friends came from a lot of families, which I did, where their friends were like. My friends were like, uh, I'm going to go to school in California, and it's going to be free. Their family was like, get the fuck out of here. Go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I came out to California for a vacation and just saw how people were living out here and how people were treating each other as far as mentality goes. You know, I was sold. Like, I went home, and I think within three months, I had shipped my shit out and moved into, into Long Beach and was living on the friend's couch. Nice. Was Evan already out here, or did he? Was he still in Pennsylvania at the time? No, I was living here for like six months before he had ended up showing up on the scene. And the same thing, you know. I think there's like, I'm 27 now. I'm talking about when I'm when I was 19 years old. But uh, mm-hmm. I think there's like 12 to 15 people that I that are like my close friends from high school that live in California now, hmm. because it was just one would come out and sleep on somebody's couch. And then another, and then another, and then another, and then eventually, you know, they were yeah. all here. They got bit. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got the bug, that's for sure. Well, it's understandable. I mean, you know, there was a time when I was thinking about um, seriously uh, moving up to Vancouver, Washington, because I love it up there, and it's it's beautiful. My wife and I were looking at places, and um, I have, you know, a couple friends that live up in that area, but you can't match the riding weather here in Southern California. No, that's for sure. You know, that is for sure. It, there's a lot of beautiful things. There's trade-offs, obviously, but uh, I think riding for me would be, it's too much of a trade-off. It's too high of a cost. But Yeah, definitely. I mean, living in the Bay now, I mean, it's we get a lot of good weather over here still, but like there's times where I'll be in a T-shirt in Oakland and all this happened to like, be in the middle of something and cruising to San Francisco and be like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> what I get myself into, I forgot, you know, for like 30 seconds, I forgot, Yeah. you know, that you cross over that bridge and you're in a whole, whole other state of like weather. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I miss Southern California for that reason, you know, it's, just, it's gorgeous down there. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I like it. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so then, um, you were out here for a while before Evan came out, um, at what point did you guys kind of get together and say, hey, we should do something? Well, we were living in Southern California for a long time, and, and I, I, took a, I took a couple of years off from my mechanical background to explore other options. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was cool, and I saw a lot of the state through it and whatnot. And Evan jumped into working at a place He'd had a few different jobs, but he started jumping into a place that he's still fabricating. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I moved to San Francisco because I'd been talking about it for years. I was like, I'm moving to San Francisco, I'm moving to San Francisco. And I moved up here, and uh, I had a few bikes down south. I had, I had a few, like, uh, crotch rockets down south. Mm-hmm. And I moved up north to San Francisco, and I was like, oh, I need a bike again. So I just got, like, a cruising around town bike. And I guess got an XS650 to mash around town on. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, feeling San Francisco, and it was really cool. But I was also, like, to, in order to have any space 
you can't live in San Francisco. It's you know, it's like yeah. full of tech wizards and and people that make a lot more money than I was making, you know, and, and there's no way you're going to have a garage in San Francisco and, that you can work out of. Right. So I was like, oh, I'll move to Oakland, you know. And before I was thinking about moving out to here, I had gone and bought my first Ironhead hmm. Harley, and I was like, this is definitely, you know, and coming from the background that we come from, and I was seeing, like, this is, like, when the chopper boom was happening a few years ago, again, mm-hmm. in my life, or at least that's how I want to explain it. A lot of people were getting back into motorcycles, young people, at least. Right. And uh, so I, I came down south, and Evan was like, hey, you know, like, we're looking for shop space. I'm going to do it again. Because he had had a shop, and him and I were thinking about doing it when I was younger, and I was just crazy and partying all the time. It just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, I'm looking at the shop space. And I was like, well, if you find a shop space that I can live in, because I can't afford to pay rent somewhere and pay rent at a shop right now because I'm moving around. Right. I was like, I'll come live in it, and I really want to start this company and I already got a name, and I kind of got a vision for it, you know. And he I don't think he was even thinking about working on motorcycles full-time at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what do you think the name is? And anyone that knows Evan is, that knows that he's not the easiest person to impress. <laughs> and uh, and he was, I was like, Iron Cobras would be the shop name. And he was like, done. That's bitching. That's an awesome name. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, I mean, I'm not even a part of you know that anymore because we decided to go our our own separate ways and do our own thing and i'm back in oakland now but the separation between he and i doing our own thing has brought up a lot of animosity but at the same time it made me it made me jump from being like this person that was kind of standing not in his shadow per se but kind of like being like I was like he had done a lot of hard work to buy all the tooling that he needed to start the shop Mm -hmm. and he was like you know, he he was he was deservative of everything there. Right. And now I'm doing the same thing. All I do is hustle for tooling and everything I want to do in my own shop. Right. And it made me open my eyes to the fact that, like, you know, both of us need to do our own thing, and I'm doing nothing but paying my dues right now. So sure, and I, it yeah, was that's... it was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no. ranting. No, no, no. You were. It's great. I was just gonna say, and that's. I think that's part of the process, right? Is like everybody has to, you got to pay dues in whatever you do. Um, and totally. You had a you had a mentor. Um, you know, it sounds like in in kind of a I guess a good way. You had a mentor at one point as a mechanic, and then you had your brother um, kind of mentoring in a in a way. This model of like, here's how to kind of do this from from like an umbrella standpoint. If you're gonna open a shop, here's what you're gonna need to do. And you went through that whole process with him. Uh, with Iron Cobras. Totally. And, uh, you know, it was nothing but a good experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I'm like, <laughs> you know, now, now, now I'm really living the, uh, the, the, you know, nine to five, five and five to three in the morning. Yeah. Lifestyle. I think so. that's with any good thing, um, you know, especially, I don't know, I, you know, we say that we're the land of opportunity, which I believe that's true. But with any good thing like that, uh, any good idea, it takes time and it takes a lot of effort. In fact, probably more effort than we generally have. But we, you put everything into it, right? And so you're working those super long hours that you that you work. I know you work because we tried to sync up, you know, so many times. And you're working, I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. And I know I know that you know the same feeling. Yeah. So it's 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 good to it's good to sit here. I feel like we're fucking I feel like this is like an episode of like Mari or something. We're just venting <laughs> to each other with the same shit. Hey man, that's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Because Mari everybody on the planet knows who Mari is. I just love doing this because I love I'm I'm a story person when it comes down to it. I love hearing people's stories. Like my pops will come in and I've heard his stories at least a couple times each. Although every once in a while he'll pull a new one out and I go, damn, I haven't heard that one yet. That one's funny. Yeah. You know, and so I love hearing those stories because it shapes, you know, our, it shapes the current culture as well as, you know, it, it'll shape the future, um, the future generation. So stories like this, you know, it's, uh, 
there's someone out there, I'm sure, that's thinking, I'm going to start a shop. Or maybe a pair of brothers is thinking, we're going to start this shop and do blah, blah, blah. Um, that may be able to gain some wisdom from this, you know? Definitely, yeah. Just keep a cool head, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> or what's the other one? It says, yeah. never, never go into business with your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes, agree with that sometimes it works, But, though. you know, so a lot of people do it, and a lot of people are successful at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, it probably had a lot to do with, like, you know, when you think, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're 14, you think you know everything to somebody who's, you know, 21. And then yeah. when you're 21, you think you know everything. And then someone to, to someone that's 37. And then when you're 27, I think I know, I think I know nothing now, you know? Right. And, uh, and, you know, you just, the older I get, the more you see, you know, I'm still young. The older you get, though, the more you see more of the full circle. And, uh, you know, instead of just blasting back at somebody, when somebody says something somebody says something to you, you're more like, all right, it's going to be okay. Just give it a second and walk <laughs> away before you freak out, you know? Right. It's a, uh, I don't know who first said it, but it's amazing how intelligent your parents get the older you get. You're like, yeah, 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 definitely. Damn. That's for sure. They were right. <laughs> yeah. Especially with kids. Like, my dad has this thing that he always says. And, uh, you know, it, it can be annoying at times, but I, I get where it's coming from. He always says, you know, my my dad used to tell me everybody gets their turn because I'll be telling him about, you know, uh, my girls do this or, you know, being married this or whatever. And, and he'll say, well, it's like your grandfather used to tell me everybody gets their turn. He's he's seen it all, you know. He doesn't even have to say it. He's just already done it all. He's like, oh, there that is. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a cop out. It's like, hey, thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that real advice? Yeah, give me some advice. But then he's always, you know, the same advice. It's just love one another and and be good to each other, you know, because it's we get one shot at this here, and um, at least from what I believe, you know, you get one shot at at being there for people and especially, you know, your your best friend, your wife, or whatever your situation may be. For me, it's my wife, who's also my best friend, and for my kids. And I'm, I've already screwed up a lot, and I'm going to screw up more. And so, you know, you just do the best you can. That's all that Definitely. anybody can ask. Let's talk about what you're currently doing. I know, you know, as a shop, you'd, you'd moved up to Oakland um, kind of right after you moved up there on Instagram – I had seen, or maybe even Tumblr, I can't remember, but I'd seen that you started uh, Lazarus Cycle Works. Um, can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, um, I'm, I moved into Oakland, and that, like I was saying before, like the reason that I really wanted to be here was because of the area, first and foremost, but I also knew that in Oakland, there's a, there's a pretty good scene here. I'm not part of it at all, because ever since I got here, I've been working on the spikes that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a small and tight-knit chopper scene in Oakland. And, you know, some people are going to listen to this and say it's huge or whatever it is. But, you know, <laughs> everyone knows people that live in Oakland that build choppers. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I wanted to move here because I knew I could get a house here with a garage. And, you know, I'm not I'm not this rich person that has a show with a money to drop and build a knucklehead on. Or, or maybe I'm just not hustling as hard as these people are. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. well, <laughs> anyway, your barn finds, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe I'm not on the internet enough. I don't know. Right. Anyway, uh, I found this this house that my girlfriend and I and, and a friend of mine currently reside in, and uh, it had a two bar garage. So as soon as I moved in, I, I took out a little. Uh, credit card alone to start buying some tooling and stuff that I had I know I've always had tools and being a mechanic but right. more like more like my lathe and my mill and my welder and whatnot and my welding table and uh and uh, I just really have been like driven to to hustle my ass off recently and get everything I need. So I I traded my iron head that you had seen that I built last mm-hmm. or my you know, my brother and I built together. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, I had gotten a Evo Sportster and, like, a CB650 and, like, a flat screen and an iPad. <laughs> like, nice. all this shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, my buddy Bobby currently has it now. But anyway, I sold the Sportster because I didn't want it, and I got rid of the CB recently because I didn't want it either, and I, I found a cone shovel. And uh, I'm pretty much just building that up now, and I'm calling it Lazarus Cycle Works because it's just growing into what I want it to organically grow into, like, what it's going to be. Yeah. And uh, I'm, like, we, you, were, you and I talked, you know, no one knows who's on the other side of things, but you and I talked mm-hmm. for, like, 45 minutes before yeah. we started this. And uh, I'm not sure if, you know, I want to make chopper building my release in life or if I want to make it a business. But right. either way, I'm going to be growing towards having the necessary tools to make it either one, you know? I think it's interesting that you chose the name Lazarus uh, Cycle Works because in a weird way, um, not in a weird way, but just in an interesting way, you know, this is really you kind of rising, um, not from the dead, but you're rising, you know, you've, you went away from Oakland down to Signal Hill, you were away for a while, and now you're back in Oakland, and you're kind of emerging, you know, new, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, it's funny that you say that, because I wanted, you know, at first I wanted to do, I was I was doing a lot of mechanical work when I was down south, like wiring jobs and shit like that, mm-hmm. and Evan was doing a lot of the fabrication, and then when I got up here, I wanted to do more of the fabrication and less of the wiring jobs and stuff like that, and my dad was like, I was like, I'm just, you know, there's no, you can't be Iron Cobras on a fucking name, like, there's no way I could do it, you know, there's like, names like that come up once, <laughs> like, yeah. Things that you think of like that come come up like once in a lifetime, you know. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm looking for a new name, not really sure. And my old man was like, I really like, you know, you know, Lazarus was the second one that, you know, the only person in the Bible who rose from the dead except for Jesus. And you could, you know, I could be wrong. I'm not a Christian person at all. I've been to church like twice in my life, but that's <laughs> the story I heard. No, I think. Am I right about that? I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm, you know, the the uh, de facto. Uh biblical scholar but from what i understand yeah i think it was uh like lazarus was the one that christ called out from the grave and um and so yeah he may be but at any rate he definitely rose from the dead you know christ healed him from the dead in fact i think he was pretty much like people were smelling him that he had been dead for that long so he was starting to stink (laughs) so not that you stink but i'm just saying (laughs) no 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 (laughs) It's, You've been in the ground so long, you smell like shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lord, can you go over and do something about that? It's really starting to smell. Sure, no problem. Rise. <laughs> Whoa, we didn't even bring him back. We just wanted to, like, you know, kill the smell. So that's rad that you're, I mean, first of all, it's rad that your your dad was there. Um, and that's, you know, something you can bounce off of him and, and have that. I mean, maybe it's not super deep, but this is, it's a kind of a good example to me of what a parent should be to a child, like be there to listen. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, you know, like my dad's not, not the most perfect person in the world at all. None of us are, but you know, if I could be like, he's he like, he's the coolest dude ever met in my life. Like straight up. Hmm. Like he, he's friends with all my, he hangs out with my friends. Like he hangs out with my buddies. Mm-hmm. All the time. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I was hanging out with someone's over. We were drinking tequila the other night, hanging out, shooting the shit. And, like, this is when like, I was, like, out here, and he was still back east. He was in Long Beach now. Mm-hmm. He was still back east. I'm like, what the fuck? I haven't even talked to that dude in, like, years. He's like, yeah, yeah, we are just, like, <laughs> getting drunk together the other day. And my dad, I don't want to paint my picture of my dad to be, like, this bitch drunk or anything like that. <laughs> right. But he's, like, the type of dude that will hang out and, like, slug a few with you and, like, talk shit. That's and awesome. uh, if I could be like a quarter of the father that he was to me, to my kids someday, I mean, my life's complete because he was the type of dude that was just like, fuck it, you know? Like, I would be, I was like 10, 6, 7 years old and out, out till like 10 or 10 at night, you know, yeah. before I was home. And they just put all this trust in me. Hmm. I, don't, I don't get it. Anyway. I think it's different for boys too. Like, I mean... 
being the father of, of three little girls, there is no way in hell they will be out yeah. <laughs> until 10 o'clock. Well, I mean, whatever. I'm sure it's going to be a, a trust-building exercise for me. Um, I know all the girls listening to this show, if there are girls or women listening to the show, are probably like, what? No yeah. Way. But... Uh, when he was, shuts his door with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> Worse, I'm going to roll over to the, the dude's house with, you know, a couple of my chopper buddies, and we'll just get off the bike, not say anything. I'll grab my daughter by the collar, put her on the back of the bike, and take off. <laughs> I may have to do just that. One, just one of those Mad Max moments where you, like, wave your finger in the air, and everyone just fucking kicks their bike over. Yeah, right. Takes off. <laughs> Welcome to Terrible Dad Dome. The, um, it was a different it, it's a different time too i think that like when we grew up when i grew up in costa mesa uh newport area it was um i stayed out you know until odd hours in the morning and my parents didn't worry about me i told them where i was but you know my yeah. parents they didn't ride me and be like you gotta be home by whatever it's just a different time definitely definitely you know so uh, yeah, yeah i think about that all the time it's it's strange how times have changed. I mean, it, every generation says, you know, it, it gets tougher, it gets tougher, but I honestly think they mean it because <laughs> I'm looking back. Yeah. I'm looking back going, it was a little easier. Even even during the recession in the 80s, you know, for me growing up uh, as a kid, it was still easier um, than it is now. I mean, everything's more expensive now. So I don't know, whatever. It's I guess it's just one of those things. It's It's part of life. Um, your shovel head, there are pictures of it, uh, little glimpses into it on your Instagram. And we've already talked about this, but for those listening, it's the epitome of the perfect chopper to me. Uh, what's, what's your inspiration in, in what you're doing as far as pipes, as far as, uh, how it's being assembled, uh, front end motor. Um, yeah, uh, I found this shovel head in south, southern Oregon, like right across the border from this old guy, which is my favorite thing ever to do is buy bikes off of old people right? that, you know, can't ride them anymore or whatever it is. And uh, it was like, it was like it's a, I'm sorry, let me start off by saying it's a uh, 72 cone shovel, it's a 74 cubic inch uh, it's a runner. Like when I got it, it was running pretty good. It was spitting and popping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe the carb just needed to be cleaned. But it was actually the night before this. It was the day before the 69 mile ride that uh, Max puts on every year here in Oakland. Yep. And uh, you know, I you know that's like that dude to me is. I never even really. I met him a few times during the ride, but I've never. Like, I'm not like friends with him or anything like that. But Every time I see how he's portrayed, you know, um, you know, he's always got a good head on his shoulders, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be there for the ride. So <clears throat> Nicole, my girlfriend, and I drove round trip like sixteen hours to pick up the cone shovel, brought it home, and it it was in it's like in a Mad Dog frame or something like that, which is just a cop off of like a original frame, mm-hmm. you know original hardtail frame or whatever it is. Anyway, I got it back, and I went on the ride, and it, not my style at all, wide glide front end, you know, like mm-hmm. totally just like mid-'90s style bike. But it had all the components on it that I kind of wanted. Like the frame was good. Mm-hmm. The motor was good. It had a juice drum rear wheel, which I wanted. And that's pretty much it. I've always been in this like weird thing about buying bikes that are kind of already hardtailed and then making them my own and, and the only thing I end up using is the frame and the motor and I'm like why the fuck did I ever pay the money for this thing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and I'm just like god what the fuck was I thinking I don't know if it's maybe because <laughs> it already has a vision or what it is but I got it home the next day and I pulled the wide glide off of it and I pulled everything off of it except for the frame and the motor and I was like you know I've always been a big fan of early 70s bikes where people started to do like early to mid 70s bikes where people started to do like the long front end but mm-hmm. still keep it like still keep it raised up you know they didn't chop the neck so much that it still had the stock frame angle mm-hmm. they left it so that the frame angle is pointing up a bit you know mm-hmm. 
and you and I had talked about that already, but that's like that's totally like my style. Like sixteen inch rear wheel, frame ang like frame angled up a bit, totally like, you know, long front end with like a twenty one in the front, you know, before people were doing like, you know, big front t- big rear tires and stuff like that. And uh anyway, so I, the next I didn't really have a vision for the bike at all. And the next day on eBay in Fremont, which is like the next city over, I saw this guy had this, you know, he doesn't know what it is. No one does because so many square front ends were built in that era and that were just knocked off of each other. Mm-hmm. But we, I believe it to be a Dick Allen front end. Nice. And uh, it's either a Sugar Bear or a Dick Allen, I think, but who the hell knows. And it was an 18 over front, a Springer front end, and I scored it for a reasonable price. Then that was like, that was the beginning of, you know, the vision for the bike. It's pretty close to being done right now. I, I raked it out about three degrees, which brought the front of the bike up a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole lot, actually. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, you guys can check it out online if you're interested or whatever, but it's coming together. I'm hoping it's done before Born Free. I'm pretty much at the point now where it's like final disassembly and get the thing fucking painted and get it on the road. Nice. I look forward yeah. to. I definitely look forward to seeing um, when it's painted and stuff. I. It's it's one thing to see a bike when it's being put together, you know, just uh, primered or or blasted or whatever, and you see it being pieced together and mocked up. Because then I start to go, oh, I know what I would do paint wise, or I, I start playing with paint schemes in my head. But then, you know, someone, whoever's building the bike and whoever the bike belongs to comes out with their paint scheme and it's totally different. It usually totally tops whatever I thought I was going to do in my head. And uh, so I'm looking forward to to seeing that for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, but at the same time, I'm kind of like bummed out because this is the one part of the bike that I'm really not interested in doing. (laughs) And and, and it costs the most amount of money because I can't do it myself. Because right. I'm just not interested in paint or body work at all. You yeah. know, like, people don't, paint ain't cheap. And if it is cheap, you're not getting a good paint job. Right. It's true. Well, I mean, there's always, uh, you could always bring back, uh, you know, a rattle can with a clear coat and call it good. <laughs> just be your not own. Not this time. <laughs> not this time around. That ain't happening. <laughs> I'm looking. Nope. I've looked at my wife's frame sitting over here going, okay, once I get it blasted, I'll just rattle can primer it and call it good. Cause it's got, um, some molding, uh, molded parts of the frame and, uh, it's got yeah. bondo and stuff. So we can't just, um, powder coat it. But you know, I keep thinking, I mean, how do I do this on the cheap? People do some bitching, bitching rattle can jobs. There's no doubt about that out there. That's for sure. But you've already put so much work into the bike and yeah, I'm just, you know. I actually, it's, uh, I was telling you earlier, I just came from a tattoo appointment, but the tattoo I got is actually the, uh, it's a Big Daddy Ross piece, and nice. um, that's going to be the scheme for the bike, and I don't want to, you know, I'm, I don't want to be one of those guys, it's like I'm saving it, but I'm saving it, Yeah, you know? No, it's good. I'm definitely. You should. Yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know, for me... It's kind of how I feel like I don't give a crap about the paint job on my current bike. It's, you know, it's stock Harley black with this Harley Davidson tape around the tank and the fenders and whatever, 100th anniversary junk. That's great. If they only made five of them, I'd be really stoked. But (laughs) they made, you know, thousands and thousands of them. So I don't care about it. But when I'm thinking about my future chop, like the paint, you know, it's like, God, there's so many so many things that I'd want to do. I don't know. I think I'd probably just get confused and end up in an anxiety attack going, I don't know what to paint it. <laughs> I know really. I mean, you know, it took me a while to, to finally finalize on what I'm going to do with the paint job or what someone is going to do with the paint job. And I'm sure they're going to be able to pull it off. I, I got a guy already, but, uh, you know, how it is when you're building a bike, it's just like, or, or you know, like it's just, you change your mind a million times before you're like, all right, this, it just has to happen. Yeah, you know, it has to come your way as it does, and you know that's kind of how this build's been going. Just seeing, um, you know, being around the people that uh, that I'm around, uh, stopping in different shops, and obviously seeing the bikes that are over at the Cycle Lodge that Grant and and Mike and Harpoon, um, you know, work on and their personal bikes or whatever, and then 
another guy is uh, T-Bone, uh, Scott Scott Jones at Noise Cycles. Um, just crank, just cranking out these beautiful bikes, and um, I can see that. Like there, there must be this mastery that you gain the more you work with bikes to where you can master those thoughts and just go, okay, for this bike, I'm just going to do this. Even though I'm sure you change your mind a bunch of times, I'm looking at it going like, damn, it's the most perfect bike. Like I wouldn't change a damn thing, you know? And yeah, <laughs> but especially, you know, like all those guys build awesome bikes mm-hmm. and there's no doubt about that. But T-Bone definitely like is mixing it up, you know, which it's just like, that guy is like, that guy's like totally doing bikes to me that are like always in my opinion awesome mm-hmm. but always completely different than what other people are doing yeah it's true you know that's hard to say like we were talking about earlier it's hard to say in the in the chopper world because so many things have been done you know mm-hmm. but every bike i've seen that he's put out on a, like a, a large scale or like has been like more well known has been like so fucking you know, completely different than bikes that I've seen in the past. The the Evo that he just did recently, the forty eight. I don't know if you saw shots yeah, of that. <sighs> Sick, dude. It's uh Yeah, things rad. I I got to see it, you know, a few times as it was being assembled and um details. The one thing I can say about him is details. But he'll have his own interview. Yeah. <laughs> i'll have to get him on the show and, and pick his brain because uh it's definitely yeah. he is a details person and that, i think that's what sets his bikes uh, apart absolutely but back to you um i want to ask you this is kind of a standard two questions that i ask because uh, we're getting here towards the end of the show um the first one's not so positive <laughs> the second one is definitely a positive because uh, i like to end the show on that note um but uh What's the worst thing that you've experienced in your life to date? Uh, um, uh, about like two or three years ago, I woke up with this bad rash in my crotch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Dude, you had me sucked into the mic. I was like, really? Whoa. I, I didn't no, know he was no, going to no. be this candid. um no but in in all seriousness seriousness, uh about two or three years ago actually like three or four years ago now the way time flies Mm -hmm. um i had a few like strange near-death experiences so i want to call them near-death experiences because ever since then they've had me on a different mind state but um Mm -hmm. I was traveling abroad in Europe and I with an ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time and uh we were in Leuven, Belgium and we had a few beers, you know, I wasn't even too drunk or anything like that and this guy that we were staying with he had in like this hostile type of situation but it was like a it was like a school, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just happened to be staying there during the summer, and they had like those like little shitty school bunks, and uh, he was like, "You can sleep in here, you know." And I slept on my stomach, which I never do. I don't know why I did it. And I woke up the next day, and I don't know how you are. You, you and I are both tall people, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you crack your neck, you normally crack it left to right, you know, side to side. Yeah, yeah. Well, the pressure that you feel when you crack your neck, I actually had front to back, and I woke up and felt it. And mm. I, I woke up, and I looked at my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, man, my neck really hurts. And then I went, <clears throat> and all I heard was a pop. And uh, I woke up, well, from what I know, you know, like two minutes later, and uh, and I just my neck was so fucking, I, my neck was hurt so bad, and... Uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time was crying, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that I totally hit the deck when I cracked my neck and had my eyes completely open all the time, and she was, like, touching my eyeballs. Oh, like, wow. no- nothing was coming back at all, you know, like, the function between 
you know, brain and body was gone for a what little a bit. trip. Yeah, and, and when I came back, you know, my neck was killing me for like two weeks, and then uh, about like a month or two later, I felt the same pain. I woke up in, from a sleep and felt the same pain, and uh, that time I knew better than to crack it, because yeah. that had happened, and you know, I want to be this like big, tough guy and be like, I'm not afraid of death, I'm not afraid of death, but you know... Most people that say that haven't really touched close enough yeah. to uh, to really be able to say that, you know. Talk, tell somebody who's, like, dying of terminal cancer or whatever that they're not afraid of death, and I guarantee you they're fucking tripping on the last day. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Well, I mean, nobody, no matter how much people want to pontificate or, you know, say that they know what's on the other side, I, I don't know anybody that's been to the other side and back, you know, and and has the same experiences, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people. It's always something yeah. that's a little different. So that's crazy. Totally. Did you, so. Yeah. And it, it kind of really fucked up my psyche for a while. And it's, it's still in the back of my brain, you know, for like years afterwards or like, yeah, I'm going to say years, you know, like the anxiety of like just that death being. So, you know, I don't, I just went to the doctor and they wanted to run like a million tests on me. And I was like, this fucking ridiculous yeah you, know, you guys have no idea it's all you need to tell me and i'll be out of this office in like 30 seconds you know yeah i'm not going to be your, and, your uh, pin cushion yeah exactly so uh anyway yeah the anxiety that came along with that and all that that was probably one of the worst things that's happened to me in my life recently that's pretty gnarly man i mean you're speaking to somebody who completely can identify with the anxiety and uh, the, the panic behind something like that. It's, that's gnarly. Yeah. That's heavy, man. Um, well on the, first of all, I'm glad that you came back. <laughs> I'm glad that, <laughs> that wasn't the end of you. Um, and, uh, secondly, on a more positive note, um, not that there isn't any positive in that experience because experiences are exactly that, you know, it's, it is what it is, and you're gonna you can take away from it what you will. Um, but what um, what's the best thing that you've experienced to date? Um, coming out of that and just like you know wanting to live every day, you know, solidly. I guess the I guess the uh, the, the best experience, especially recently, has been just meeting my girlfriend Nicole. She's like. Mm. You know, you know how people say, like, I hate to say this because I don't want to put my foot in my mouth in case anything ever happens, which I don't <laughs> yeah. think it's going to. Right. But you know how people say, like, you know, you know when you know. Yeah. I I know. Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she's going to be the one for me for forever. She's like the girl that's in the garage with me, and I'm like, can you just, like, hold this while I pack it together? And she's like, oh, yeah, for sure. This is so cool just like all right this is cool you know like it's nice to have a a, like a comrade like that and the way that i hear you talk you're you're in the same boat as me you know with your wife yeah but it's just you know like she's the one that was like measuring out shit when i was re you know when i was raking my neck out on the show we were figuring it out together in the shop you know and and that's just like a, a you know, every time that I'm like the guy that's like the realist, it's like, yeah, but you know, fuck him, Moa. She's like, well, maybe he was thinking about it this way. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like, no, no, shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, I'm the total prick, and she's like the angel that I'm not worthy of. Ah, oh, dude, that's no one's gonna hate on you for for speaking truth like that. I think that uh, no, I think that there's a lot of guys who would identify um, that it's. It's their girls that keep them grounded, you know? That's for sure. And what about, uh, I mean, could you add in, and I don't know his name, but dude, he is so freaking cute. You're a little pit bull. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's such a son of a bitch. He's cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. that's a funny, that could, that's a quick story. Uh, I went down, I was like, one day I just saved up money, and I was buying some torches, because I need torches for the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went to East Oakland, like, cruising through this 
you know, shitty area, and I go through everyone on the block probably selling pit bulls in the area that I'm at, and this is, like, <laughs> I've had pit bulls, I've had pits for a long time, mm-hmm. and I cruise up this house, and the guy, like, what's, like, hey, I'm ready to come in, you know, and I'm just like, all right, cool, you know, he's like, this one works, blah, 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 like, fire him up, and I'm like, all right, I'm like, what the fuck is up with these, like, 20 pit bull puppies, and he's like, oh, and he's like, I didn't even want him to have pit, or puppies, he's like, I don't know, man, he's like, 60 bucks. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, here's your money. I'm coming. I'll be back in like 30 seconds. So I went and got some money, and I picked him up. You know, I hit up Nicole and was like, "Hey, we're getting. We have another dog, Lola, who's a boxer." And I'm like, "I'm getting another dog, Lola. There they are. You can hear them barking in the background. <laughs> They're like, uh, you're talking about us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's been like, you know, for the first few, I manage a venue. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that, but I get home at like three or four in the morning every night. Mm-hmm. And for the first few weeks of him waking me up at like four thirty after I just gone to bed, I was just like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> 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 but he's, he's sleeping through the night now, and you know, it's just like I'm sure it's somewhat like having kids, Dude, but it's not ex- really. No, it's exactly like having kids, and you know what? They, the older ones, I, I've got a nine and eight, and they still crawl in bed with me at night at like two in the morning and you're like what the hell you're not small anymore like you take up the entire <laughs> bed <laughs> yeah totally so he's been i mean like he's been he's finally starting to mellow out and be cool and he just went on his first swim today That's... a proud dad he just had his first red rocket the other day it was like a proud dad moment <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> He is, he's definitely a cutie, man. I actually just found the picture on, on Instagram that uh, the day that you brought him home, or at least where you say you went to pick up your torches and stuff and, you know, meet, yeah. meet Buck. Yeah, Uncle Buck. He's rad. Well, man, it, this has been an awesome time conversing with you because uh, you're you and I enjoy your company and talking to you and, and I look forward to hopefully spending some time with you at uh, Born Free 5 and maybe even some time before that. But, uh, yeah, Mike, it's always, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, and I hope to see you up north soon. Though, so the weather's getting nice. I'd love to take a run up there. It would be it would be a fun run. I wouldn't do it, you know, overnight. I would make it last a week so that we can just chill out and yeah. ride and have a good time. But uh, you can check out Nate Scott's uh, work as well as just photos from his life on Instagram at uh, Instagram.com forward slash Lazarus Cycle Works, or if you have the Instagram app, you can check them out at, at Lazarus Cycle Works. And uh, Nate, again, thanks for being on the show. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon. Man. Thank you, man.